Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Whether you like it or don't like it, sit down and look at it because it's the best going today. Woo! This is the Dynasty Warzone, the People's Dynasty Podcast, and here are your hosts, Memphis at DFF Memphis and Jerry at Jerry Sin DFF. What's happening, guys? It's Memphis, and welcome to episode 121 of the Dynasty Warzone entitled Rustling Up Rookie Running Backs with Andrew Harbaugh of the Devi Happy Hour. Uh, but before I get into everything else we have to cover, we have an intro, we have some news, and then we have a wonderful interview with Andrew Harbaugh of the Devi Happy Hour. We're going to go into the man of the hour, the man with the power. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jerry Sinclair. Jerry, what is going on this week? Dude, did you believe that game? We had the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. We had the prolific offense of the Los Angeles Rams with Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods, and they scored three points. And I just wanted them to beat the damn Patriots, and they scored three. Why? Why do sports hate me in 2018 and 2019? You know, uh, the offense of September and October did not look the same as the offense of December and January. Uh, give, give credit to Bill. Got Bill Belichick. Uh, Brian How? Brian Flores, Bill Belichick, uh, the the Patriots players. I mean, when they lost Patrick Chung to the the broken arm, I thought it was uh, going to be no bueno. But I I didn't get McVeigh, man. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I don't know. What 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 are you doing, dude? I mean, we mix in a little bit of no huddle. Can, can we do something different? I don't know, but before we uh, we segue too far into the news and what's going on, I just want to make sure that we remind you that we are the flagship podcast of the DynastyFootballFactory.com. Um, you can check that out for a bunch of good written content, uh, rookie stuff coming up. That's going to be our topic again this week is uh, some more rookie action. And we're proud members of the Dynasty Football Network at DF underscore network on Twitter. That includes things like the the Rookie Fever podcast, the Capology podcast, um, so many over there. So just head over to the uh, DF Network and check out the, all the lists of podcasts and things that we have going on over there. Uh, what more can we ask for? You guys have been great. the The downloads have been great. The follows and the 
the uh, subscribers have been great. But Jerry and I want to ask you for one more thing. We really appreciate you checking out the show every Wednesday. Is if you would, please go over to iTunes um, and just leave a five-star review. If you want to put some nice words on there, we, we would certainly appreciate that as well. But that's going to help Jerry and I continue to grow. And you know what? People are doing it. And I appreciate it. Jerry, you appreciate it? I appreciate it so much. You should, Jerry. You should. You should appreciate these fine people taking their time because, again, that's the number one way a podcast grows is, is through reviews because the more reviews you have when a when a new listener searches Dynasty, we want to move toward the top of the list, and that's where we need your help. So so please throw us And out. listen, even if we didn't get any and it was just me and Randy talking and it's not even stop our us. wives didn't listen, we would still do this. My so wife just, doesn't listen. My will not. So she, she did the first episode I did. She won't listen anymore. My, but even just I, it feels good. It feels that's all I can say. It, it's it, awesome. It's so awesome. I'm doing this for us. It gives Jerry and I because Jerry and I have been buddies on social media for a long time. It gives Jerry and I an excuse to hang out an hour a week. So uh, thank you for being a, a fly on the wall and checking out our conversation. And by the way, Jerry, my wife only listened to the episode she was on. So uh, that, I bet she listened to that one a couple times. Did you hear that, Randy? I sounded so good on that one. You know, actually, she hated it. She hated the way that she sounds, <laughs> and, and it takes a while to get used to hearing your own your own voice. Yeah, in, in, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Form. The first couple times, I hated the way I sounded too. I tried to deepen my voice a little bit. Yeah, listen, I don't, I don't have a masculine voice, so now I've just accepted it. Were you like Star Lord in the Avengers when he's trying to mock <laughs> Thor? It's like you're changing yes. your voice. What are you doing? <laughs> So, so listen, yeah, that, was me. that that was you. So listen, um, we're going to get into some news because we do have Andrew uh, waiting for us for an interview. So uh, let's get into the news, Jerry. This is the news. All right. Well, we got to say congratulations to uh, the other, not the, but the other man of the hour, the other man with some power. And that's touchdown Tommy Brady. And the New England Patriots, they won their sixth Super Bowl on Sunday uh, in a barn burner, 13-3 to over the L.A. Rams. Jerry, what did you think about the game? Listen, I mean, it was not what I thought it was going to be. You know, you sort of thought it was going to be one for the ages after those championship games. But, I mean, in the end, it was a close game in the fourth quarter. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, I didn't want the Patriots to win, but you, at some point you just have to accept the fact that that pass that got Sony Michelle into the end zone before when he lofted it to Gronk right onto the goal line, that was just a thing of beauty. You could paint that, dime. put it in the Louvre, and it would stay there for a millennium. It was a dime, just an absolute dime. And uh, so nice segue. So I had Gronk predicted as my MVP. I was close. I, I, I had Caucasian. I had pass catcher, but I didn't have really sweet-ass beard, and that's Julian Edelman. Um, Ten catches, 141 yards. Um, Every big play that when New England needed it, the chips were down, and they needed someone to make a play, there was Julian Edelman. Jerry, are you a Julian Edelman guy? Because he's my favorite Patriot. Him and Gronk, but he's got a beard, so tiebreaker. (laughs) I mean, Gronk is probably my favorite, but I did have Julian Edelman as my MVP. And I had the Patriots winning by 10. Don't want to brag. Now, I assumed they would score more than 13 points. But it listen, all you had to do was watch that game, and you saw that they, they weren't going to stop Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman was open every play. He just, 
listen, he's not a Hall of Famer. That That's nonsense. That talk is nonsense. But he was dominant. He, whenever they needed to play, you knew it was going to Julian Edelman, and it did. And it didn't matter. They couldn't stop him. He, he well-deserved for that man. You know, uh, Gronk, ironically, if I was a younger man and a, and a single man, would be the, the Patriot I'd most likely uh, most like to hang out with for a night on the town. Uh, Julian Edelman would probably be the Patriot I'd most likely punch in the face. Um, <laughs> he, he just feels like, like that guy. But as far as a football player, he is absolutely nails. And uh, I love watching the dude to play football. So uh, Tom Brady, it's been reported that he has said that he is going to play two more years of football. Jerry, uh, how does that make your Tom Brady Superflex shares feel? Uh, I actually have him in a Superflex league, so good. Um, I was trying to sell him this year, but here's the thing. I mean, I'll still probably try and sell him, but Tom Brady's just good. There's no. Uh, would it surprise me if he played two more years? No, I don't think it would surprise anybody because Tom Brady's good, and Tom Brady doesn't take hits, and Tom Brady, is, he's a winner. He's it- just... Would it, it, would it surprise you if he played more than two years, Randy? No. It, 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 I wouldn't be shocked at all. If he played four more years, it, w- it would literally not surprise me because he takes it that seriously. And, I mean, he's done it with no weapons. I think they've got 12 draft picks. Including, that includes the compensatory picks. And remember, they didn't have um, Isaiah Wynn. One of their, I think it was the he was the first rookie pick they took this past year in the first round. Um, the the new left tackle, they didn't even have him, and they're going to add him to this team. Man, uh, th- th- this team can stay good, but Gronk says uh, he'll make a decision on his future in the next week or two. What, what do you think Gronk's going to do? You think he's going to hang him up and uh, go go to the WWE or become an actor like The Rock? What's uh, what's Gronk's next step in life? I think Gronk is still going to play football. I think he's going to try it again. I don't think he's going to be fantasy relevant when he tries it, but I. it's tough for me. You've gone to three straight Super Bowls. It, Like, yeah, maybe, maybe you don't get excited about winning as much because you've done it your whole career. I mean, he's been to what? Five Super Bowls total in like nine years? I mean, I... Whatever Gronk does, I'm excited for in the future. I just I think he's gonna give football another year. And I think, you know, he, he won't be the Gronk that, you know, we know and loved, but he'll be entertaining. We know sure as hell he'll be entertaining. And it just tells you how beat up the guy is. I mean, I, I think he's either getting ready to turn 30 or just turn 30. He's not that old. And think about guys like Jason Witten and Antonio Gates that played to a combined 75 years old or something like that. And for this guy to you know barely make 30 and potentially be done, it tells you how much of a beating he's taken in his career in the NFL. So uh, if you haven't moved your Gronk shares yet, you got one, you got one shot. And uh, even if you were to get a lowly pick for him at this point, it's better Take than the nothing. You can. It's better Take than him. Take what you can, man. And, and, and speaking, hey, nice segue. Uh, speaking of taking a beating, Todd Gurley insists that he's healthy. I think it's a damn lie. Um, he had like 16 touches in the Super Bowl last night. It's only the most important game of the year, Jerry. Um, do you buy it? Do you do you buy that Todd Gurley's healthy? What's the scoop? No. No. Stop it. Listen, at one point, Hecker, the punter for the Rams, had more touches than Todd Gurley. There is no game script in football that someone as smart as Sean McVay could have where that would be a scenario if he was healthy. Yeah, in a few weeks, maybe this week, 
We're going to find out he's getting some surgery. I think it was you who said it on Twitter, just getting, getting his knee cleaned up or something. We're going to hear something. He's not healthy. I don't care what that boy said. That boy is lying to us so that he can, you know, that's not the excuse for losing the game. Yeah, I, I don't buy it, and I've I've gotten some heat, and that's okay because sometimes you you gotta say what what's truly on your mind. Um, I think this is your last season to sell Todd Gurley for maximum value. Again, write that down, maximum value. I didn't say give the guy away. We're not having a fire sale on all things Todd Gurley must go. That's not what I'm saying. But, but I'm you sa- could still get number one player in fantasy that, value. That is correct. You, you you can still spin the narrative that he's the one zero two overall, only behind Saquon Barkley. I mean, let, let's look at the facts. The fact is, is that he's going into his fifth year. The fact is, is he's had 300-plus touches three years in a row. The fact of the matter is that he's had knee injuries going back to college, including a major ACL injury. Okay? The Rams are committed to him for $39 million over the next three years. And the reason why I say committed is when you factor in the dead cap money. They really can't cut him until 2022. So you just saw arguably your best weapon. I don't want to say arguably. He is their best weapon. You just saw him limited in the most important game of the year because you've used him so much. I don't think it's a crazy narrative. They've already said publicly, it was reported on Roto World, they want to re-sign C.J. Anderson. McVay already does not use him in the preseason. He doesn't get a snap. It would not shock me if this was like a, a, a really a true running back by committee, especially the first half of the year. You saw what happened when, when your best players wore down. He's, he's at his peak, he's at the peak of his powers, and Sean McVay doesn't give a damn about our fantasy rosters. Nope. So, Nor so, should he. And, and you know what? So I, I think he's going to look back. He's a reflective guy. He's a smart guy. And I'm just speaking from, from a dynasty standpoint. I still think Todd Gurley is a tremendous football player. But I, I believe in selling high and, and buying low. And I'm not selling him low. I, I want to get out for what you would get the 102 overall in a startup. So if you want to know what that is, hit me up on Twitter, at DFF Memphis. But one thing before we, we move off the Super Bowl, Jerry, how much of a travesty of justice was it for Big Boy of Outcast to get about 90 seconds of that, that halftime show? <sighs> Listen, I, so I'm, I'm young. I'm not that young. Um, I didn't know who Travis Scott was. I had to ask my wife. She's a few years younger than me. She she told me who it was. Apparently, he's got a baby with a Kardashian or Jenner or what it, one of them. Um, and I'm not the biggest Maroon Five guy because you know I grew up in that time frame. When a 17 year old male has a tough time, like like an Adam Levine when that when he was popular. So, but if we're gonna talk about Atlanta hip hop, yes. Jerry loved himself some outcast. It's a travesty they broke up, but even big boy, it was, yeah. Come on. Where's like, Luda? Where's Ludacris? Where, where's Jermaine where's Dupree? Where's T.I.? Where's, Some, where's Jermaine Dupree? Something. Are you welcome to Atlanta? We're like, hot, hot Atlanta. Welcome to Atlanta for the previous play? Yeah. You, that's not the song you could do. Something. And, and you saddle me with Maroon 5. Get the hell out of here, NFL. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. So, so I'll tell you something else that's unbelievable. So I read on Roto World this morning, Josh Gordon could be reinstated by training camp, Jerry. What in the actual hell? <laughs> he's, he's, just, he's like Frank Grower and cockroaches, except for not going to be in the Hall of Fame. 
I mean, not the cockroaches will either, but he just, he doesn't die. He, every time something happens to him, I'm like, ah, nah, you can drop him. Don't worry about it. And then, you know, like four months later, he's like, hey, Jerry, shut the hell up. I'm back. It's like he, he must have, you know, pictures of Roger Goodell in bed with a sheep. It's all, that's all that I could think of. He's, he, he's got something on these guys. It's like, you know, Martavius Bryant gone. Poof. Like a, like a puff of smoke. Pun intended. But this guy, it's like, Josh Gordon's going to, it's like, I, I, I don't get it. But you know what? Because I'm, a, I'm that guy. I, I sent out a, a trade to uh, an owner in the league today for uh, Josh Gordon for a fifth round pick. I mean, what the hell, right? In for a yeah, penny, in for, in for a penny, in for a pound. Uh, speaking of uh, groups of people that make really weird and awkward decisions, the, the uh, I'm gonna call them the Raiders. They're like the how about this? How about the the the, the Nomad Raiders? Because you don't really know where they're gonna be playing from year to year. It looks like in 2019 they're gonna be playing in San Francisco in the uh, the baseball stadium now known as Oracle Park. It used to be AT and T Park, home to Major League Baseball's San Francisco Giants. Um, that's gonna be a weird visual on TV, Jerry. Yeah, and like you have two San Francisco teams now. Are they going to be called the San Francisco Raiders? I I, I just think they're going to call them the Raiders. Terrible. If that I hope they just stick with Oakland Raiders. If yeah, that's, even though they're San Francisco, I, I think you can get away with that based on the uh, the fact that the the Giants and the, the yeah, yeah the Giants and the Jets actually play in New Jersey, but they get away with calling them the New York you know Jets and Giants. So may, maybe that's going to be their their gimmick. Uh, Cam. Cam had shoulder surgery. Looks like it went better than anticipated. And looks like he should be able to be ready for week one. Are, are you buying that narrative? I don't know if I'm buying it, but I'm excited about it. I think that sort of puts the he's not going to play the whole season away. Or maybe this is just, you know, speak that they want to do to just, no, it's it's going to be okay. I mean, the draft will tell us, I think. Draft and free agency will tell us what what's up with Cam for the most part. You know, if they don't make any moves, we know Cam's playing. Yeah, and as as someone who who lived through this with the Andrew Luck saga, you know, if they start sniffing around other quarterbacks, like I didn't really put two and two together at the time. I mean, revisionist history, and you know, as they say, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, the Colts went out and picked up Jacoby Brissett from the Patriots, and you know, you you look back and it was like, okay, that makes sense. So if if the the Panthers are out sniffing around at like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Or talking about a low ball trade to acquire Joe Flacco or, or something like that, th- th- then your antenna needs to go up about Cam's health for 2019. So uh, definitely stay tuned and uh, you know stay tuned to the War Zone. We'll, we'll keep you patched into these type of things. Two more quick things, Jerry. It was mentioned Sunday before, during the Super Bowl lead up that the Eagles could end up franchise tagging Nick Foles in an attempt to trade him. What are your thoughts on this? This kind of feels sketchy to me. I, honestly, I think it's a smart move on their part. Just that way they can get something. I mean, this is a greedy business and, you know, they don't want to just lose him. So it, I think it almost secures the fact that he's going to be somewhere else. I mean, we all assume that anyway, but at least this way, Philly can get something out of him besides the championship you got. But, you know, what have you done for me lately? I, 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 I get that. But, but he won you the championship. I don't know what you would get for him. But they're going to trade this man to Jacksonville, and that's just wrong. Womp, he, womp. <laughs> he won you a Super Bowl, damn it. And you're going to repay that man by making him go to Jacksonville? 
<laughs> with with Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone. Come on, man. Nick Foles. And maybe a, not Fournette. Yeah. I mean, how about this? They, they 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 tag and sign Foles and trade Foles for Fournette. They need a running back oh, in Philly. God, I would buy so much Fournette if he was in well, Philly. Well, if you if you think that's going to happen, Jerry, you buy now. Remember, buy the dip and, and sell high. Uh, last bit of news, and this one, I, this we're going to end on this one because it was the most intriguing from a dynasty standpoint to me. Pittsburgh could still use their transition tag on Le'Veon Bell, which which I found to be interesting. Which means they could match an offer from another team, and if not, there could be some compensatory picks in there and, and what have you. Um, Jerry, what are your thoughts on this? And then I'll share mine. You know what? Just share yours. I've I'm done talking about the damn Pittsburgh shenanigans they've been going through it it's a it's a dumpster fire i mean it's like it's like they're out cleveland in cleveland it's you know it's it's, something it's that's the only thing i can say is it's something it's totally 2019 when cleveland's got their act together and here's pittsburgh acting like a bunch of knuckleheads here's what i will tell you is that from a james connor ownership standpoint it's all narrative and I, I have no facts to base this. So so this is a narrative and this is my opinion. Because if I have facts like I did with Gurley about the contract and what have you, that's one thing. This is just my opinion. But they brought in the running backs coach from North Carolina State who has a connection to Jalen Samuels. They're talking about where they could match an offer on Le'Veon Bell. What kind of confidence does that ins- would that inspire you as a James Conner owner? It makes me nervous. I don't. I don't. Have, again, have nothing to go on. It's speculation, rumor, and innuendo. What do? You, what does that make you think if, if you own James Conner or if you were James Conner? Yeah, I mean, you don't feel good about it, especially you had a good year, and you know that's what they're gonna do. I just, I feel like they're just putzing around. That's all they're doing. They're just. They just they poop their pants and they're trying to walk with their legs bowed out so it doesn't get all over, and they just they it keeps the, the making walk? it worse. Is, is that, is that <laughs> like when uh, you use the restroom and you realize you're out of toilet paper and you've got to like penguin walk to <laughs> yes. try to avoid the shrapnel? They got, yeah, they're walking to the next stall, but yeah. each stall just doesn't have toilet paper. Guys, it's not a dynasty war zone with Jerry without a good poop reference. Well, listen. Um, what we have for you next is not poop. As a matter of fact, it's 100% solid gold. And that's our interview with Andrew Harbaugh of the Devi Happy Hour, as well as the Scorecrow, the Devi Owner's Manual podcast. He, he's out there everywhere. So, uh, Jerry, I could keep you talking about poop all day, but we, we got to get on to the show. So, you ready to bring on Andrew? Yeah, and he won't be poop. That's the good news. No, nah, he, he, he's gold, man. So, um, let's do this. Let's bring on Andrew. All right, let's get our interview going. Jerry, you ready to talk to our guest? Yeah, not many Harbaugh's I usually decide to talk to, but this is one I'm excited <laughs> the, the, for. The, the, this is the best Harbaugh I could find. Uh, this week's guest, we're joined by Andrew Harbaugh. Andrew is a writer and analyst for the Dynasty slash Devi Happy Hour. Um, he also does work for the Scorecrow, and he is also the host of the Devi Owner's Manual podcast with his co-host at FF Peebles Champ. Please welcome to the Dynasty War Zone, Andrew Harbaugh. Andrew, welcome to the show, man. What an introduction! Thank you very much, guys. Uh, we, we don't try. we don't we do try. much good around here. I mean, at least not professionally. But the one thing we do take great pride in is our damn intros. Ain't that right, Jerry? Yeah. Listen, I've got a nickname that Randy's been carrying throughout my time with the show. So give it some time; <laughs> he'll get you one. 
A- absolutely. And uh, well, speaking of nicknames, so I-, I did some research. I wanted to do some, you know, introduction of your co-host, the Peebles Champ. That's uh, I know. At- but but what's hey, his real name? Thrown in there. What, what what's his real? I couldn't find his real name. It's Dwight. Okay, thank you. So check and out. And just a little fun I, fact: the he is also right a. Now, uh, so. He is also a Spartan, so he's he's good in my book. <laughs> well, there's that. Uh, not not everybody's per- I, listen. I, I went to Ball State University. Um, if you've never heard of that, uh, Google Will, where uh, Willie Sneed went Nate to college. Davis. Yeah, yeah. So it's a uh, not not much for for football. I guess the, the the biggest professional athlete that we've had in I guess recent somewhat recent memory was Bonzi Wells, who was somewhat of a journeyman in the NBA. But we, I, we don't, I remember Bonzi Wells. We we don't we don't talk much round ball. Uh, here on the Dynasty War Zone. But what we do talk is rookies because rookies right now, uh, I wish I had the drop that said they're so hot right now because rookies, everybody is getting ready for the combine, rookie draft. And as you guys know, Jerry and I take great pride in bringing you, the listeners, some of the best possible uh, people in the industry from a Debbie and uh, uh, getting you ready for your rookie drafts. And that, that's what Andrew's here for. He's going to talk about his recent experience going down to the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. And just talk some rookie running backs with us. So, uh, Andrew, the first thing I want to do is I want to give you a chance to talk about what you do. T- tell us about the Debbie, the Debbie uh, Happy Hour, the Debbie Owner's Manual, the Score Crow. I mean, just everything. You got so much going on. <laughs> Break it down for us. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. Um, first, I'll start at the top from what I've started with and what I've delved into. Um, Tyler Gunther brought me over to Dynasty Happy Hour to start writing uh, last June. I've picked up, I started writing for the, uh, about Browns players and outlooks on them. Cause I am a big Browns fan. And then it devolved into where nobody was writing about Debbie. That can be my little, little niche. And it took off from there. And then uh, another way to explain it, score crow uh, startup website. That's done very well so far. I noticed them. They asked if I would write about the NFL forum. I can write about round ball as well a little bit, but I haven't just because it's draft season and Lord knows that takes up enough time. Uh, and then I've got the Debbie Owners Manual podcast, which we'll have an interview with Travis May this week, dropping for everybody. A little bit of a plug there. Uh, I got the Debbie Happy Hour, and both of those I have my co host Dwight Peebles, uh, Dwight Peebles at FF Peebles Champ. Uh, we've got both of those going. Debbie Happy Hours is a little bit more draft focused, and then the owner's manual is a little bit more just Debbie focused. So you get a little bit of both from us in our wonderful minds. And then uh, Scorecrow, I actually got, uh, they ha- they're starting an NFL podcast as well. We're going to probably be starting it around the combine. So I'll have that going as well. So. <laughs> I can't pick up enough work, it seems, and I'm still married, which is a shock to me. So, <laughs> you and Randy are two peas in a pod, man. You guys just working all the time. Randy's got to drag me to the mic, and he's got 31 pods just like you, and writing and everything. Hey, you, you don't guys know about are true that hustle, and we love it. It's a, it's that hustle life, ain't that right, Andrew? Oh, oh, it is, and that's the thing. Like you talked about Mobile, I went down there and. I got a, I got a taste. I got my first hit of NFL draft world, and it's I can't even begin to explain. I just want more and more of it. It sounds like you were not Bill Clinton, and you did inhale that first hit of the draft world, <laughs> and now it's consumed you. 
Yes. I, There's I, worse I, things to be obsessed with. I'm very, I'm very sorry in advance for Jerry's dated political references, but he is a <laughs> history major. For those that don't know, he's working on that particular thing. So, so you said you went down to Mobile, which is a very cool city, even if you're not going for the Senior Bowl. I went down there two years ago. Um, we went down to the, you know, the Panhandle area there of Florida, but it's a beautiful area. But, but tell us about that experience. You know, you you mentioned it just a little bit. Your first experience. What did you see? What was cool? Um, who'd you meet? Tell us all about your uh, your trip down there, man. Oh, I mean, it it was crazy. I mean, it was the Monday before Senior Bowl week, and I was planning on going, and then um, financially something came up where I was any I wasn't able to go. And I'm big stick to football listener. Um, I'm in the stick to football hall of fame. They have a group chat where if you win a sticky, um, my, my youngest son's gender reveal was done on the show. I've gotten pretty close with Matt Mello and Connor and, uh, through their networking, they were able to throw together some funds and they were able to help me get down to mobile because I think they saw, like you said, the hustle and the grind that I've been doing. And then as soon as I got down there, um, I forgot all about the five o'clock flight i forgot all about the tsa that didn't show up at the airport and was horrible and uh i got down there and i went right to the hotel to get my credential you walk in i had ben albright open the door for me and that's awesome oh it was and then i go up the escalator and yeah it's just a floor of nfl people and i'm walking to get my credential and daniel jeremiah and bucky brooks walk by me and then ian rapaport's over in the corner just talking to players and then uh, it's funny. You see people from the NFL network top tens, like Andy Benoit and all these other reporters and everything. And it's just, I said to the one guy I was with, it was his second year there. And it's my first year. I said, are you just a starstruck the second year? He's like, no, I got that out of the way the first year. He's like, a lot of people are that way though. So don't feel bad. It's just funny. Cause you grow up watching NFL network and you play Madden and you watch the top tens and, you're all in the same room doing the same thing. And it's like, wow, I actually feel a little bit on par. But then reality hits you and you're like, oh, well, I guess I'm not getting the NFL network vibe later. But it was just, it was crazy. I, I just, the whole thing was a big learning experience. It's got some sources. Um, I was able to use some of that for the DeAndre Francois incident that's been going on. And uh, it's just, it's been a whirlwind. It's way more than I ever expected. And I'm not even a year into doing this and it's already taken off. Well, when you put in the work, you uh, you get the results. So good for you, man. So listen, we, we brought you on. This episode's going to be entitled uh, Rustling Up Some Rookie Running Backs with Andrew Harbaugh. So this this draft class, is it's being lobbied as one a, a down year for the running back class. Do, do you think that's fair in, in your opinion and what you've seen because you are on the Debbie side of things? And is this class going to be better or worse than that 2016 class, Zeke excluded, but that had running backs in the first round that included Derrick Henry, Kenneth Dixon, Devontae Booker, and C.J. Procise. How, how does this class stack up, and how does it stack up to the last class that I would consider a quote-unquote down class? On paper, it, I think you said taking away Zeke, and you have Derrick as the one in that group. I think looking at Dixon and Booker and Procise, I think if you look at the top of this class, I would take – Comparing the two apples to apples, I'd probably take four or five running backs over any of the ones listed there just now. Um, you got names like Rodney Anderson, who 
has a lot of injury history and some potential off-field red flags. I would still take him over Dixon, Booker, Procise, and Henry maybe just because he didn't have as many red flags coming out of college. Um, you've got other running backs like uh, Karan Higdon, running back for Michigan. A lot of people have been sleeping on. Uh, Bruce Anderson, North Dakota State. Uh, Justice Hill, Oklahoma State. Josh Jacobs, the star of the class that everyone's been uh, clamoring over. Miles Gaskin. I mean, I could go on and on. There's, there's no one that's has a name like Zeke in here, and I think that's what across the board offensively this draft is lacking which is why everyone's kind of down on it uh but you don't think overall the town you think it's still a good class i mean depending where guys go you think they will have fantasy impacts yeah there's a lot of guys where depending on where they go i would definitely value them over but that's the thing it's a lot of it's situational uh kareem hunt a couple years ago before everything happened with him unfortunately uh he was a late round pick and he was third on the death chart going into training camp. And a lot of people probably didn't draft him. And if they did, they got him late, but come the start of the season, you got a steal out of him. And I think you, running backs, the easiest position to get steals out of, because you never know what can happen. And I think the best value as far as late picks. All right. Well, um, we're going to go back to mobile, not literally, but figuratively. So three part question. So coming out of the senior bowl, who impressed you? Um, were they who you thought they were and who didn't impress you at all? And, and don't feel limited just to the running backs. If you want to bring up a tight end, a QB, a wide receiver, by all means, please do. So in your experience, who met, who exceeded, and who did not leave up, live up to your expectations while you were down there? Um, I, I will say I wrote down three names for being impressed just as like a first initial thing from my notes. I don't have any running backs because nobody really stuck out to me. A lot of analysts over Dexter Williams, but he had a couple fumbles down there, which I don't know why it wasn't talked about, but for whatever reason, they moved on from it. Um, I think the biggest winner of the week had to be Debo Samuel. Um, he had a good game on the first opening drive, had the first catch in the, on Saturday. All week in practice, um, from the days I saw, he was just spot on with his routes, quick feet, burning. And then I actually got to interview him as well, and there was other people around later on and somebody asked him if his injury history is something that team should worry about or should make his draft stock affected in any way. And he goes, I think I've answered that with my play and my numbers and they speak for themselves. So with, by giving that answer, I think he has a giant chip on his shoulder and the way he played all week, I think showed that. So Debo Samuel, I think was a giant winner. Another one was Foster Moreau. If you want to talk about value picks, uh, he came from LSU, where they're mainly doing running with Brissett uh, this year, past years, Geis and Leonard Fournette. They don't have a prolific passer. They haven't had one in a very, very long time. Joe Burrow was okay, but Foster Moreau, the games I watched, never stuck out as a great receiver, but then he went down to Mobile and was able to block and showed his ability as a pass catcher. He's not going to light it up speed-wise, but he's his technique as far as separating from linebackers and defenders in general um, will make him a weapon. I think at the next level, especially with that coaching going forward. And then my uh, 2019 draft crush, Wes Hills, a small school guy out of slippery rock. Uh, he had a good week, but uh, in the game, he got hurt on the opening drive after a 21 yard run, 
which was great where he started inside, hopped outside, showed some speed. He's one I think going forward uh, will grow as well. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, Jerry, you and I got to see if we can put together a roadie next year to uh, Mobile. It's not that far from from the house. It's like 11 hours, I think. We can do that. <laughs> so, no, I'm just hold on. Let me. I'm writing his names down because uh, you know it, I'm not a Debbie guy. I I I have a Debbie league, but I've well, that's I'm why we. As, I'm not as consumed. So when I I I like to write this stuff down because just like you know, we, we bring these guys on to help the listener out. But, you know, like I say, on every show we interview these Debbie guys is I'm super selfish and I want to know this stuff too. So that's why I'm, I'm sort of quiet here. Cause I'm trying to get it so I can win my leagues. We call those writer downers here at the dynasty war zone. <laughs> Hashtag write that down. So, um, so here's, we're going to go back to the running back class. So just not who's the best, but who is your favorite? Who, who is Andrew's favorite running back in this entire class? whether it be the guy like Josh Jacobs, who a lot of guys have at the 101, all the way down to the guy you just mentioned from Slippery Rock. Who is your personal favorite and why? Wes Hills from Slippery Rock, hands down, is my absolute favorite as far as where he's going to get picked. I mean, there's a chance he may not even get drafted, which I could see a Philip Lindsay story potentially happening. I'm not saying he's going to be a pro bowler, but as far as a fantasy value, I think he could definitely be worth a stash. Um, a lot of it's going to come down to how he performs if he's invited to the combine and his pro day. Um, he came in a little bit smaller than what he was listed through Slippery Rock's website. Came in at six foot even, 205 pounds. Uh, his senior year at Slippery Rock ran for 246, ran it 246 times, um, stuckered 1,714 yards, and he found the end zone 17 times. And he also had 28 catches his senior year. Uh, I, I know this is going to be a very drastic jump as far as a comp, but there was another division two uh, running back a couple years ago who ran for 1,500 yards, found the end zone 17 times, had a little bit more of a receiving impact. He had 38 receptions, 536 yards. That was David Johnson. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be David Johnson because he's not necessarily as big, but if he can go to like a scheme where he can be used that way, like say he goes down to Tampa with Bruce Arians, I can see Bruce Arians doing the same thing. Now, Bruce isn't very uh, good to rookies as far as receivers and running backs. Like even if you watch the all or nothing thing that Amazon did with the Arizona Cardinals, David Johnson's year, every time he had a good game, he's like, we can't let the rookie get a big head. So we got to like make him go back down to second or third team reps. And he kind of tries to limit them which is good. He's a great coach. But I think Wes Hills has that potential. Um, his numbers may seem inflated because of the competition he played. I mean, I uh, one of the schools he played, I live in that town. And they, as Wes Hills said, he was very polite. He said they have ballers at every school. But the school that I live near is not <laughs> the best. But <laughs> uh, he made him look silly. So it's, I think he can be a, a potential steal. And that's who I've been hitching my wagon to is my first full year diving into this. So I'm either going to fall on my face or going to look like a genius. Well, we're, we're all going to keep that name, Wes Hills, on our draft board because I've got it written down as someone to look for late in my rookie drafts. So I'm going to hit you with – so that, that was your favorite just, you know, because everybody's got a guy that we're rooting for or we like and we want to put up, we want to plant our flag, you know, on that guy and that guy's talent. But, but who's the top running back in this class? 
in, in your opinion? I've, I've heard a couple of different names from David Montgomery to Josh Jacobs. Break it down for us. Who do you think is the best? I think it really is Josh Jacobs. I, I, the thing I like most about him is he's going to come in with a lot less wear and tear than a lot of these other running backs. And he's also, I think, the best pass catcher coming out of this class. Um, Alvin Kamara came out from Tennessee with not a lot of wear and tear, and you saw what he was able to do with New Orleans right away. I think if Josh Jacobs goes to a team where they're very friendly to their uh, running backs, I, I just talked about Wes Hills going to Tampa, but I think Josh Jacobs going to Tampa is a fantastic fit um, just because we saw what he was able to do with David Johnson, even with him trying to limit him, air quotes. So I think Josh Jacobs, as far as being the most complete back and everything i just top the bottom that's the one who enamors me the most and i have to give credit to adam wilson for giving me that name to watch first off that that's awesome well i'm going to give you a question this next question comes in from a very special listener his name is jerry jerry wants to know which of these three running backs <laughs> is going to see the biggest increase in value after the combine and leading up to the rookie draft so out of these three guys who's going to see the biggest increase uh travion williams elijah holyfield Maybe he could be the real deal like his father. And uh, Miles Sanders. So Williams, Holyfield, and Sanders, who's going to see the biggest increase between the combine and the actual draft? It's a very good question. And I could make a case for, honestly, any three of them coming out of this and making a rise. Um, I would probably have to say Miles Sanders is probably going to come out of it looking or getting the biggest rise just because – Right now, he's still in that shadow of Saquon Barkley, where he's a Penn State running back, and that's everyone's going to hold the candle to him. I'm a Florida fan, and post-Tebow, I I thought Jeff Driscoll was the next Tebow. I thought Jacoby Brissett was going to be the next thing. I thought Will Greer was going to be the next thing. It was just I kept getting my heart broken. So I would definitely say I understand where Miles Sanders is competing with that shadow, but I think if he goes to the combine, runs well, um, he has no red flags that I've come across or been aware of. And like I just talked about for Josh Jacobs having a lot less wear and tear, same thing could be said for Sanders. Last year was the first year he was a bell cow for Penn State. Before then, it was Saquon. So I think Sanders definitely has the potential to be the most. Um, if I had to rank them one through three, I might surprise you. I'd probably say Sanders, Holyfield, then Williams. Because I think Williams may come across a little slow. I think Holyfield's going to interview very well just because he has his dad as a role model, professional athlete that's gone through the ringer, literally. <laughs> and But I think Sanders is definitely going to be, out of those three, uh, looking the best coming out of Indy. Jerry, any, any follow-ups to Jerry's question? <laughs> no. Like I told you, I'm selfish and just want to know my own questions to help my own teams. But yeah, the, I... It, I have just started to delve into these sort of guys. Just, you know, trying guys maybe I'm going to take at the back end of the first round or middle first round picks. And I thought they all sort of looked the same. Travion's got a little carry on into him. Like, I feel like he, he likes falling mm-hmm. forward. Miles Sanders, you know, Miles Sanders was down to Michigan State and Penn State. He picked Penn State, broke my heart. And then if you've seen Miles Sanders play, his best run of the year was probably against Michigan State. And he just he annihilated us up and down. I think he broke like seven tackles. It was a fantastic run. And to be fair, a lot of people annihilated Michigan state this year though. Well, not their defense though. (laughs) Our offense is annihilated itself. Hey, you got Um, Brian Lewerke. What are you talking about? uh, I loved Brian Lewerke too. (laughs) Anyway, 
before I break my laptop. Say, say, say uh, uh, J- Jerry likes it when you talk Spartan to him. But <laughs> not if you talk bad. Not, not the way I'm talking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but let's let so. And by the way, Jerry, you know, as I'm peeling back the onion and you know looking into the layers of this draft class, I just use the Devi Happy Hour, and you can too. Just go over to uh, at you know the DHH underscore Happy Hour, or um, you can find uh, all that stuff over there. Shameless plug. That's what I do. Um, so so let's take off your analyst hat. You've done a great job of you know breaking down the Senior Bowl and some of the some of the guys that we've asked you about. But as a as a dynasty player, who are the guys you're looking to scoop up later in the later rounds? And, and by later, I'll category uh, categorize it as rounds three and later. Who are you looking to scoop up in the running back position in those later rounds? I'm gonna cheat and I'm gonna pull up my list here, and I'm just really gonna <laughs> browse as, it real well, quick. As long as you're pulling up your order. list. As long as you're pulling up your list, I'm totally good with it. I've got 34 running back watch, so um, I I've think watched probably th- about six. So you're uh, <laughs> more qualified than I am. I've watched more tight ends than anything, so we'll see. But um, running backs, I would definitely say I think Bruce Anderson, someone I saw down in Mobile um, on tape, he has a he's pretty good as far as a pass catcher goes. Just needs polished up a little bit with his route running. Uh, Bryce Love, I th- he's one where he's going to be probably overdrafted, but if you can get him in round four ish, I would take a flyer on him towards ACL. Unfortunately, the last bowl game this last year, he really just kind of went down from when he was the runner up to the Heisman the year before. Um, a fun name I really like, uh, Devin Ozigbo running back from Nebraska, six foot two twenty, has a big frame on him. Uh, he could be a bowling ball or he can be finesse. He's good going back and forth. Uh, Dex Williams, I talked about being down in Mobile. I think he's one that could potentially fall. Karan Higdon uh, hasn't done very well so far as far as with the Mobile and everything. Uh, being a Michigan State fan, I'm sure you're very familiar with that name. Uh, I, I actually like Karan Higdon a lot. Um as weird as it is for me to like Wolverine players, just because I've raised to hate them my whole life. But, you know, he's not going to be explosive, but if he ends up in a nice spot, I feel like he could, he could have sneaky flex play every, you know, a few times a year. Yeah. When I, when I saw Higdon down in mobile, I asked him if he talked to any teams and he said he had talked to uh, Detroit and there was another team in Baltimore. And I really like the idea of him at Baltimore. I that's when I was just saying that I was sort of thinking like the Ravens, just someone that you know is going to give you some headaches in fantasy, but every once in a while he's going to be exactly what you want. Yeah, yeah. I said to him, I said I think Baltimore would be perfect, and I said plus you're used to dealing with Harbaugh, so I said I think John's a little bit more relaxed than Jim, and he's like I don't know. So, <laughs> but uh, Mike Weber running back from Ohio State, Quadri uh, Olson. Uh, running back from Pitt, he was behind. We keep talking about these guys that are behind great players. He was behind James Conner. Uh, he's a redshirt senior. He's a big back as well, 6'2", 230. So he's got a really big body on him. Those are just a couple names that I would say are worth a watch just as round three or later that potentially could show some upside. Situation plays a big part in it, but on paper where we stand right now and beginning of February, I like where they're heading. Awesome. Well, I got one more question and then we're going to play a game. So uh, we've been doing a lot of that lately with our guests. So 
we're going to do the same with you. So the last question, this is a very important one because I think everybody's looking for a workhorse type running back. I mean, think of Kareem Hunt before he got cut by the Chiefs or Le'Veon Bell when he was with the Steelers or Zeke currently. We're all looking for a workhorse. Out of all these, you know, top end or any of these guys in general, who is the most likely to wind up as a workhorse running back and a name to keep an eye on from that from that realm of possibilities? Not to sound like a broken record, but I like to look at players that don't have a lot of wear and tear. <laughs> and I like to look at players who have been the bell cows and workhorses that show they can handle the workload. Um, as far as people that don't have a lot of wear and tear, I really like Josh Jacobs, depending on where he goes, to be a bell cow. Um, if he goes where he can be the RB1 easily, I definitely like him for that. But if he goes somewhere where there's another running back there and he has to split carries, that obviously affects that. Guy we just talked about, Miles Sanders. I like him a lot as a potential feature back for any NFL team he gets drafted by. And then the biggest question mark, uh, Tyler's draft crush, I think it's easy to say, from DHH, Rodney Anderson from Oklahoma. Tore his ACL. He's had neck injuries before. He has potential red flags off the field. Um, if he's okay health-wise, comes out of the combine, clean bill of health, I think a team could draft him for that potential. Um, but a lot of it's going to come down to medicals with him. And then a player that I've compared to Kareem, uh, David Montgomery out of uh, Iowa State. I think he's a great pass catcher. Um, he'll either make you miss a tackle completely or he'll just run you over or carry you into the end zone. He is another great uh, complete runner in this class. So there's not a lot of workhorses, I would say, in this draft class in general. There's a lot of compliments to other teams. But that's the way the NFL seems to be going anyway. So I think if you had to pick some workhorses, just to recap, David Montgomery, Rodney Anderson, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders. All you got to do is watch Rodney Anderson in the Rose Bowl against Roquan Smith in Georgia, and you can see what that guy can do. So I love that. Well, all right. Well, we're going to go to a game. So uh, let's, let's check this out. All right, so we're, we're going to play a game. Um, I was so hoping that was going to be played. <laughs> absolutely, man. We, we, try to, we try to work on some, some production value around here at the Dynasty Warzone. So we're going to consider this like kind of like a match game or like where should I go? And w- what I mean is I'm going to throw a name at you uh, of some of these top, the higher-end running backs on um, the list, and you tell me what you think their ideal landing spot would be you, you know you've you've been studying these things you know what what we you know what's good what's not so i'm just gonna hit you with a name and you tell me where would be the perfect spot for them to land and why so the first one is going to be david montgomery kind of cheat off my comp for him with Kareem Hunt. i think kansas city would be fantastic for him he could i think that would break the internet the... that would break yeah. the internet <laughs> it would tear my <laughs> pants i promise that <laughs> I've seen it everywhere, and it feels like such a cop-out answer, and I tried really hard to think of somewhere else. I really like him, but he would be perfect there. He's the perfect type of running back that Andy Reid loves. Um, We saw what he was able to do with Damian Williams, Brian Willie. I think Montgomery could definitely be something like O'Brien Westbrook. Uh, man, you're, you're talking my language. Brian Westbrook was one of my absolute favorites back in the day, and not just from a dynasty perspective. He was a PPR monster, but just a fun player to watch. All right, next one. I, th- I think uh, 
you're the number one on your board currently, Josh Jacobs. What's the ideal situation for him to land in? I, I again reflect kind of what I highlighted. I tried not to uh, Tampa Bay, just because uh, we saw what Bruce Arians was able to do with David Johnson and all the revolving doors of running backs they had before there. Uh, before they were able to land David Johnson. Well, when they settled for David Johnson, because in that same Amazon series I alluded to, they wanted to get Amir Abdullah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Still one of my favorite moments ever on any NFL program ever. Um, now, I think Josh Jacobs with Bruce Arians would, to use your words, Jerry, rip my pants off. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of pants ripping. Nor- <laughs> nor- normally with Jerry, it's a poop sandwich, but tonight he's about ripping them pants. Uh, the next one, and this is a guy that's growing on me as, as I'm getting uh, further into my study uh, of these players, is Daryl Henderson. So uh, what, what would be the ideal spot to make his value peak? I would love to see him with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. Oh, baby. <laughs> I think he's a younger, healthier Eric McKinnon. Um, so I, I really would like to see the idea of Daryl Henderson being there. I think he could be what he had success with with Coleman and Freeman in Atlanta, I think he'd have all in one with Daryl Henderson. Love it. Dude's I, a lightning bolt. I love watching that guy play. Yeah, m- make that three. Uh, all my Matt Breda shares would be infinitely sad if that if that were to happen. <laughs> because uh, as we all know, Jarek McKinnon, not the healthiest cat around. Um, but but man, that that is fantastic. That That did not pop into my mind. Another guy that's slowly growing on me, um, I, I, me personally, as of right now, I've not seen him catch the ball enough, and I kind of have him uh, maybe unfairly slotted into a Jordan Howard type player. But that's Benny Snell. Um, where would be the best uh, opportunity for him to land to maximize his dynasty and fantasy value? I like him as a good complement and replacement to Tevin Coleman in Atlanta that I just talked about. Now you said he doesn't hasn't shown a lot as far as a pass catcher. Melvin Gordon didn't either coming out of college. So it's hard to project that, especially in a lot of programs, because they don't use the running back as a receiver very often. You get the few chances where you see a Josh Jacobs or a David Montgomery who does, but for the most part, they don't. So I think Benny Snell is a very cheap replacement to Tevin Cole, free agent, and they're not going to pay two running backs in Atlanta. No, they're not. I think Snell would be a nice compliment to Freeman. And Freeman has his injury history, so he could definitely be a spot start um, for your team throughout the season. I think you're on fire with, with these with these uh, fits because uh, th- this is that guy that, that could be drafted to be a compliment to your point because they're not going to retain Coleman. I, I'm not the biggest Edo Smith fan in the world. Uh, I don't hate Brian Hill, although, although I think Brian Hill may be in Cincinnati by now. But, no, nope, you know, he's back in Atlanta. But that would be great. And I, I do like Benny Snell. And, and you're right. And, and in fairness, you mentioned the Melvin Gordon. I'll tell you someone else that we were kind of, quote, unquote, unsure of of their pass-catching ability coming into the pros was Leonard Fournette. But throughout his career and the games that he's played, he's averaged about three receptions a game, which isn't a ton, but it's a ton more than I thought he was going to get in the NFL as a pass catcher. So uh, very fair of you, being very uh, diplomatic with these guys. Here's my favorite running back in the draft. Um, I like this guy. I like this guy's tape. Um, I just want, like watching him play football, and that's Devin Singletary. So uh, what would be the perfect landing spot to make my man crush of these running backs? Not the best, but my man crush. Where could he maximize his opportunities as a rookie? 
I, I really like him going to Oakland, going to the Bay Area with John Gruden. John Gruden brought Doug Martin in last year to be that kind of pass-catching uh, finesse back to complement Marshawn Lynch. And Doug Martin just hasn't been able to do that um, between the health and the off-the-field issues. And uh, he would have that one good year in Tizia, and then the next year it would just be ripping your heart out. I think Devin Singletary could be what he wanted Doug Martin to be. Um, and Marshawn Lynch is a little bit older too, obviously. So I don't know how much longer he's going to hang around. So Singletary would be a great – if he goes to Oakland, would be a great stash. This first year he may not be a, the explosive top of the charts back. But as soon as Marshawn's gone and he's the only back there, I think he could be a top 20 running back in fantasy even. I mean, he could kind of have a James Conner type rise. He just needs the people ahead of him to get on out the way. Marshawn and his backpack can pack up and go back to. Well, they're going to be playing in San Francisco this year. Marshawn did say he's, <laughs> only, right. he's only playing in Oakland. Now, I know it's just across the bay, but I'm not 100% sure Marshawn's going to be back. And if he's not and Singletary winds up there, I can I can dig that. So let's talk about your uh, your buddy Tyler Gunther's favorite player, in the, excuse me, favorite running back in this class, and that's a Rodney Anderson. Where's the ideal landing spot for Mr. Rodney? I like him to replace another aging running back. I like him to go to Buffalo. I think he has the type of running style where in that cold weather you can rely on him. I think he would take a lot of pressure off Josh Allen where Josh Allen doesn't have to be the leading rusher for the team um, within games. And like I said, LaShawn McCoy, he's got a lot of – he's I, – I wouldn't. I'm not even going to draft him in any redraft leagues if I'm in any this year or best ball or anything. So I think if Rodney Anderson went to Buffalo, he's built to be able to withstand that cold, I think. He's got a thick build to him with two C's. So I think he'd be perfect in Buffalo. <laughs> he said thick with two C's. He said, I like him thick. All right. So Rod- Rodney Anderson in Buffalo. I mean, dude, you're killing this game so far. You're just absolutely knocking knocking it out of the park. So we got two more for you, and then we're going to uh, get you out of here. Uh, Justice Hill, not the biggest guy in the draft. So, uh, where does he land that makes him extremely valuable for fantasy? I did cheat. I reused a team I've already mentioned, and I'm going to do that again here later at the last one, potentially. Uh, Justice Hill, I like him a lot in San Francisco as well. Say they bring McKinnon back, rework his deal, and he comes in real cheap. Uh, McKinnon, when he was in Minnesota and he wasn't the feature back, was pretty productive. Uh, I think Justice Hill there, he cannot be a feature back but he could be a very good complimentary back. He could definitely be a third down back where he can kind of have a James White type role as a pass catcher and can kind of have a Rex Burkhead type of role. I I like that one as well because if you go back to – I'll date myself a little bit. If you go back to Steve Slayton with Kyle Shanahan when he was up and coming in Houston – uh, that, that, that kind of fits that, that mold of a Shanahan running back. So, all right, man, um, no pressure because you've been doing great so far. Uh, Travion Williams, uh, where, where can he land so that he, as the final rookie on this uh, little list, where can he land that would be the ideal landing spot based on his skills? Well, I'm going to try to make Tyler happy again, like I hopefully did with the Rodney Anderson placement. Let's say Tampa Bay – some Bruce Arians somehow gets something out of Ronald Jones. And he can be, like I just compared, that McKinnon type back. He can be the short yardage back, get you um, 
red zone touches and everything else. I think Travion Williams as a pass catching ability would be a good compliment to Ronald Jones and his bowling ball sort of type. Um, I could date myself if you want to. <laughs> Lendell White was the Thunder. Chris Johnson was the Lightning. I think they could kind of have that same type of thing going on. And they were both ownable backs when that happened, when Kerry Collins was leading the Titans with Jeff Fisher when he didn't go 8-8. Eight and eight. So uh, I think Travion and Tampa Bay would be fun to watch. Man, you don't get a Lendell fat uh, <laughs> n- n- name drop on the war zone too often, but I'm, I'm glad you did. That brings back happy memories. Well, yeah, it brings back Madden memories. Oh, man. Of, and to be fair to you, one of my earliest college football memories is Pitt beating number two West Virginia last game of the year, and it just being hell on earth in the Pittsburgh area where I'm from. So it was just – we were burning our furniture instead of the Mountaineers burning their furniture down in Morgantown. <laughs> that, yeah, sorry, Rich Rodd. Darrell Revis and that Pitt Panthers team beat Pat White and the Steve Slayton and Rich Rodriguez. Wow, there's a list of names. Well, listen, um, I've asked all the questions that I could ask. Jerry, what questions do you want to ask Andrew before we get him him back to his regular life in the grind? I I wrote down a couple names that I wanted to make sure he talked about, and he hit those and so many more. I mean, there was a guy, Bruce Anderson, Foster Moreau, Wes Hill, Bruce Anderson. None of these guys I had watched and I had written down, so... I'm going to go to town, my friend. Jerry, text me that list because I've been producing the show <laughs> and I've been turning knobs into whatnot. So, uh, listen, I want to thank Andrew so very much. Um, we we had to record a day early because of some other commitments Jerry and I have, and he was very gracious with his time. He's a busy guy. Um, he's going to be on a bunch of podcasts. And, again, um, you can find him in a lot of places. You can find him at the Dynasty Happy Hour. You can find him at the Devi Happy Hour, the Dynasty Owner's <laughs> Manual Podcast, the Score Crow. The list goes on and on. I'll, I'll give you a one-stop shop because that's where I find him. Just go to at DHH underscore Mandrew, M-A-N-D-R-E-W, uh, at DHH Mandrew, and there's links to everything he's got going on. There's links to his co-host, uh, Dwight, at uh, the people's the, the Peebles. That's with a B, not with a P. The Peebles champion. Uh, Andrew, what do you want to tell these people before we let you get on? I, I Just stay with me as long as you can through all of my nonsense with all these different pods and all this different work i got going on. Um, like I told Tyler and like I've told Johnny when they brought me on to write, uh, it's, everything's still a work in progress. You're learning something new every single day. Um, whether you've been doing this for – as short a time as I have, or as long a time as Matt Miller and Daniel Jeremiah, uh, just stick with me and I'll promise to make it worth your time and offer me at the time. Jerry might need new pants. So if you want to offer Jerry some pants, you can do that too on my behalf. Uh, Jer- Jerry's getting his own damn pants. And I, I just want to thank you again. So make sure you check him out <laughs> at DHH underscore Mandrew for everything he's got going on. And thank you for listening to this week's Dynasty Warzone. Jerry and I will continue to bring great guests, guys like Andrew, guys like Nick Whalen, guys like Travis May, the fellas, etc. Um, we're kicking February off with a bang. Andrew hit it out of the park. And uh, next week, we got some very special sweethearts jumping on with us to talk about some early 2019 sweetheart players of ours. Uh, make sure you tune in next week. And the easiest way to do that, again, is just to go over to iTunes, rate and review the podcast. It helps Jerry and I grow our brand. And uh, again, so on behalf of Jerry, I am Memphis and our guest, Andrew, and we will see you all next week. Thanks, everybody.